So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and we have an excellent show for you today. Uh, I've got my great friend, uh, RJ Bates, and um, he's with Titanium Investments. I had his partner in on, I think maybe four podcasts ago, Cassie, and uh, we tore that one up. And this is going to be a really awesome podcast as well, because, uh, you know, RJ is... I would say he's kind of maybe the face of the company. He's got a really nasty, gnarly beard that <laughs> that uh, he's been working on, and uh, and so just because he's got a beard, I want to give him a hell yeah, brother. So, but you know, RJ, give us a tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from, and uh, give us give us your story, your your background, man. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, I, I guess I, I had to have Cassie on first to have the honor to be on the podcast. So, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, lived here my whole life, minus a couple of years. Uh, went up to Denton, Texas and attended the University of North Texas. But uh, man, I, I've had a, a crazy journey to get where I am here today. Um, you know, when uh, when football season ended my senior year in high school, my mom came in the Saturday after my last game and she woke me up and she said, football season's over, time for you to go get a job. And uh, she didn't know the, what she was actually doing that day that she did that to me, uh, but I uh, went out and I applied everywhere I could possibly apply and she told me I couldn't come home until I had a job. So I had to go get a job that day. And uh, I got a job at Pizza Hut as a delivery driver and uh, as an 18-year-old, I weighed, made far too much money, uh, just cash tips in my, in my pockets. And uh, I, I stuck with Pizza Hut for, for quite some time. I think I ended up working there like seven or eight years. And uh, I worked my, my way up. I went from delivery driver to shift manager to assistant manager. And then I got my own restaurant. And, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. So I just kind of got stuck in a job. It, it was honestly the entire time I was there, I wasn't really happy. Um, I was always aiming for the next promotion. And at, at the time, you know, I, I became a general manager at the age of 23. And I just was so proud of that moment. And I thought that was such a, a huge accomplishment. And looking back at it, I, I learned a lot of business skills and I'll, I'll never, you know, regret that time that I spent there. But, you know, it definitely wasn't what I was meant to do with my life. Let me ask you and, this, because I come from the restaurant business too, right? Right. Uh, were you a slave to that business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I became a general, well, actually, when I became an assistant manager, there was one point in time where I worked 48 straight days. 
Yep. Had a day off. And I mean, it was just, it was miserable. I don't think anybody um, understands that business. Like, I mean, once no. you get into management, it's, it's expected that you're going to work 60 hour weeks. Like there is no 40 hour weeks, by the way. No. And it's only 50 or plus more, which turns it. Cause you show up, like if your shift starts at, um, you know, if you're in the later shift, it starts at four. That means you come in at two. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and then you got, you close and you still got a couple hours to get it closed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a long, and then you do a close open, which is notorious for having yep. them, especially mm -hmm. when you're the assistant manager. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there was plenty of times where I wouldn't leave the restaurant till, cause we closed at one o'clock at one of the restaurants, one o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't leave till two o'clock, get home till two thirty. And then I would have to be back at the restaurant at eight o'clock in the morning to open it. Like you're talking about. Cause yeah, I, was, yeah. I was a little bitch boy, you know, I was the yeah. assistant. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you're going to close and then you're going to open so I can enjoy my weekend. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was just miserable. And really the turning point for me was there was a point in time where I had my own restaurant and, uh, uh, a corporate executive came in. He doesn't know me. He didn't know me then. And he knows nothing about what I've done since I left Pizza Hut. But I'll never forget him. And uh, he came into my restaurant, suit and tie. Uh, I think he barely asked what my name was. Walked around the restaurant. Didn't say a whole lot. Walked around for about five minutes. And he said, let's go out in the lobby and let's talk for a second. So we went out and sat down and he didn't realize, but a couple of my regular customers were sitting down in the lobby right next to us. And he just looked at me and he said, we should have never promoted you. You're just an overpaid shift manager and you're not qualified to do this job. And uh, to this day, I'm so thankful that he said that to me because <laughs> the whole time he was saying it, I'm like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I know about myself and, and what I want to accomplish in my life. And this is a stair step to what I eventually want to accomplish. And that was the end for me. Um, I, I quit Pizza Hut and didn't know what I was going to do. Um, it's funny looking back at it because everybody thought I was like in a midlife crisis in my mid-20s, but uh, quit my job and went and got a minimum wage job at a golf course. And uh, I actually cashed in my 401k money from Pizza Hut and bought my first property that I still own today. It's a rental property and it cash flows like none other. And, uh, and so my whole family was like freaking out because they're like, so you quit your job and bought a house? How does this make sense, RJ? And now you're working for $7.25 an hour? What are you going to do? And uh, I remember it was funny because I was working with a bunch of 16 to 18 year old kids at the golf course and they just were like, so you were a general manager of a pizza. What are you doing here? Like, I don't understand. And I was like, look, I just need to clear my head. I need to understand what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> and um, that's when my best friend, Elijah, who is my partner now at Titanium Investments of Hawaii, he called me and he said, hey, man, I've got this business and I want you to run it. I know you know how to run a business. I know you're the guy that can do this. It's based out of Fort Worth. Uh, can I fly in and meet you and we talk about it? I said, sure, man. So we flew in. I had no idea what he was telling me. He showed me this back office system. There's numbers and addresses. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but I'm in. And he, he me a, a small salary in. and some commission. And I was like, I can, I can make that commission happen. And, uh, 
I, I did that for a while. It was a general contracting consulting business. So when hailstorms come in and insurance claims are filed by the roofing contractors, we were supplementing those claims to get the unpaid dollars for those roofing contractors. And we were taking a percent of what we get, kind of like a public adjuster. Right. And uh, so I did that for a while. Um, eventually, Elijah sold that business to some investors. And, and I kind of found my way on the way out the door because it just there wasn't a place for me anymore. So I went and started what was our first business with Cassie. It was Fairway Solutions. And uh, Cassie and I started that, which was the same business. And it's so funny because we had no idea the journey that we were going to be on. Uh, this was in 2012. And in 2012, my niece was diagnosed with leukemia. We started Fairway Solutions in August. My dad fell in his house and passed away in September. And my first son, Trinity, was born in October. So in the matter of four months, I had a niece with cancer. I started a business, lost my dad, and gained a son. And uh, I look back at that year, and that was the year that I went from being a little boy to a grown man because I understood what real life was about. And, uh, you know, we, we had no money to start a business. We started it all with just, we bootstrapped the hell out of it, man. We, we had credit cards, whatever we could do. And we brought on some employees and, uh, we started making pretty decent money. And and pretty quickly, I realized that some of our employees didn't know how to supplement a roofing job because they never sold the roof in their life. And I was like, but I'm an entrepreneur now. I can do whatever I want. Let's go sell some roofs. So we went out and started door knocking and we sold some roofs. And uh, I'll share this story. I love this story. I know you're a story guy, so I'm going to tell some stories today. Yeah, man. I love so, stories, brother. Yeah. So me and Cassie are in her 2012-2011 Kia Soul. Okay. The little little box that the yeah. hamsters come out of. Okay. We're in her Kia Soul. We are in the nicest neighborhood in Dallas, right by SMU. Okay. These are like one one to $10 million houses. Okay. And I'm like, if we can land one of these roofing jobs, we are set. Like we are going to make it. And I'm like, Cassie, you're going to go door knock because people love women. They don't want to see the big bearded guy come up and knock on the door, but you know, a pretty lady coming up that's sweet and empathetic and says, Oh, I can help you out. So she had never sold the roof before. She didn't want to get out of the car. So I literally had to physically drag her out of the car. And I'm like, go knock on this door. And I don't know what it was about this house that I picked, but she went up, she knocked on it. Young guy in his 20s, made way too much money, answers the door and says, sure, you can jump up on my roof and give me an estimate. So she comes back and she says, okay, we can, we can go uh, inspect the roof now, but uh, we don't have a ladder. I said, go tell them we'll be back in 10 minutes. So we went around the road to Home Depot. We got one of those big 30-foot ladders that folds, tri-folds, yep. stuffed it in the back of the Kia Soul, came back, <laughs> plopped it out. She jumped up on the roof, looked at it, and said, oh, my God, RJ, it has hail damage. Came down, asked him about his insurance company, and he filed a claim with State Farm, and we made a ton of money on the deal. And so the final day that we finished work, I go to collect the final check, and he says, hey, man, you remodel houses? I'd never remodeled a house in my life, but the answer was, hell yeah, I do. He said, cool. Yeah, yeah you know I house. do. <laughs> exactly. He said, I'm buying a house and I'm going to flip it. The keys are in the mailbox. The job's yours. Go tell me how much it's going to cost. So Cassie and I drive over to the house. We walk in. 
It is one of the ugliest. To hey, time out. I got to ask this question because this really got me. Yeah. Did you take the letter back? No, no. We kept that ladder forever. Oh, man. It would have been a great story. This is, it would have been a country story if you would have turned that son of a bitch back and got some money back for yeah, it. No, we, we still got the ladder. Because so. I've done that. Right? So so we went to this house, and it's it's a terrible house. We look around. We figure out how to do the job. And, you know, we subcontract everything out. But the whole time we're doing, we're remodeling this house. Every time he comes, I'm like, how'd you find this house? And he's like, oh, I got it from a guy. He's a wholesaler. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I go home that night and I Google wholesale. And I'm like, so wait, this guy finds the house and then he sells it to, to the end buyer and he does no work and he makes a spread. I'm like, this sounds amazing. Like this Sounds like what I'm doing as a general contractor. You know, I'm not actually doing the work. I'm just the middleman. Right. So I come up with this great idea. My mom, you know, my dad had passed away and I got real close with my mom and uh, she had some money set aside. And I'm like, mom, let's flip a house. So we find this house from a wholesaler. He sells it to us. He overinflated all the numbers. Oh, it'll sell for this much. And you only have to do this little work. So we did the work at, at cost. We purchased the house and, and we eventually flipped the house, but I learned again, wholesaler. It kept yep. popping up in my life, like a wholesaler. So eventually I, I looked into it and I told Cassie, I said, I, I'm, we're going to become wholesalers. This is what we're going to do. And so this is 2014 <laughs> by now. Yep. And uh, August of 2014 is pretty much when I made the decision that I was going to become a wholesaler. And I pretty much for the next four months just left her high and dry in the contracting business. I mean, I, I just was trying to find deals. Should we be running a lead and I'd be over on Zillow looking like, oh, is this a good house? Can we, per can we put an offer on this? And uh, eventually I found a deal off the MLS, got it under contract, knew nothing. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just told, if you have a good deal, it'll sell itself. Right. So we threw it up on Craigslist. And within 30 minutes, I got a call from a guy and he said, hey, I'm at your house, which is not my house because we have it under contract through the MLS. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, I'm here. I want to see it. And I'm like, scrambling. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, let me call my agent and find out how we can get you in the house. And he's like, no, don't worry about it, man. The back window's open. I, I'm crawling through <laughs> right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope nobody's there. And I'm on the phone with him. And after about two minutes, he says, okay, I like it. Send me the contract. <laughs> I'm blown away. So we sent him the contract a couple of weeks later. We closed on the property. We made $7,000 and I'm set. I'm like, that was the easiest $7,000. All you have to do is go find a property and post it on Craigslist and it sold. Like that was so easy. Yeah, buddy. So Lo and behold, what I found out was it's not that easy to find properties. It's also not that easy to sell properties. But uh, we we struggled for the next couple of months. That seven thousand went away real fast, and yeah, uh, always does. Yeah, and the the next property that we got under contract uh, when we when we deposited earnest money and option money because here in Texas you have to pay for the option or the inspection period. It put us down to eleven dollars in our bank account. And I, I just remember the day that we had to make the choice. Are we going to do this or not? I told Cassie, we're going to do it. But I promise you, we'll never be in this spot again. Just trust me. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So on that one, we made $11,000. She 
January 1 of 2015, I told her, we're not going to sell any more contracting jobs. We're going full-time into real estate investing. We're going to make this happen. And uh, ever since then, man, we have, uh, we've tried to conquer the world one residence at a time. Uh, that, that next year, 2015, we did $750,000 in wholesale fees. And uh, this year, we should do a little bit over $2 million. So it's a, <laughs> it's a hell of a ride, man. Uh, I, I, I share that story just because I, I don't think I've ever told the story from my perspective from start to finish. I've told bits and pieces of it, but uh, I knew if there was a podcast to share that entire story, it was going to have to be yours. Oh, bro, man, listen, back. I want to I break this down just for a minute because I, the, what it takes to become successful, I think most people will skip past this and forget what it takes, right? Because listening to this story, I'm, I mean, I, I get chills, right? I get goosebumps as you told the story, because what it takes is such a sure will of determination. Your words that you've chose to describe it, this is what we are doing. It's not, I'm going to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, dance around it. It was a absolute commitment Mm -hmm. to do it. Absolutely, man. And I tell that to people all the time because now I'm at the point where people start to see some of our success. Yep. And I, I by no means think that we're at any level that we want to be at. We're, right. we're still growing. Any better than but, anybody else, right? Right. But people reach out to me and they say, how have you done what you've done? Well, dude, there was a lot of days where there was no money for food. It was, this is, but like you said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it work, hell or high water. I mean- yeah. And uh, it, the, it, it's, it's our lives. Like, this is what we have to do. I'm, I'm not ever going to go work for somebody else. That's not ever going to happen. Right. Like, those days I learned that's, that's bullshit. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now we live the lives that we want to live, and we know that we control our own destiny. And there's nothing better than that. And so for all the scary days out there, we still have scary days because now the numbers are just inflated. I have huge marketing budgets and overhead, and we own over 100 properties. I mean, those are some big checks that we have to write. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't change it for anything, you know? So it's just making that decision that you're going to do it. Yeah. And you've leveled up. I mean, you've learned. So the other part of that story is that you just didn't do it from blind ignorance or like, I'm just going to try this. You've said constantly you went and researched, you were working on your craft. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you had a lot of mentors or training or or you, you figured out a way. You just didn't pioneer it yourself. No, absolutely not. I mean, nowadays with the internet, podcasts, websites like FlipNerd and Bigger Pockets, I mean, all the information's out there. If you have a question, just go look it up and you don't even have to ask it you can literally just type it into Google and the answer is already there for you. So a lot of it's been there, but I mean, there's amazing people out there that you can reach out to. I mean, I reach out to my buddies all the time and say, Hey, I know you've purchased a portfolio. I'm trying to purchase my first portfolio. Can you look over this with me? Just give me 10 minutes. And Hey, if you ever need some grunt work done, call me because I'll pay you back. That's the number one thing. Like if you're a newbie and you're asking questions, make it reciprocal. Yeah. Don't just be a leech. And so all the time I'm reaching out to people and I'm saying, hey, can you help me with something where I, I can level up? 
hey, if you need somebody to do some grunt work for you, just let me know. And honestly, that's part of the reason why we've been able to grow as fast as we have is because we've been able to establish relationships with people across the country that have seen the, the integrity and the way that we do business over the course of time. And in, in turn, they want to do business with us. So that's what's enabled us to go to all these different markets, change from just being a wholesaler to becoming a rehabber to becoming a landlord. Now we're looking in the multifamily. It's just, uh, I, I mean, just the other day, I, I threw a post out. I'm doing this bucket list challenge on Facebook. And I said, I want to own a donut shop. A guy that is basically my competitor here in Fort Worth said, hey, bro, here's a guy that owns three donut shops. He sent them to me. The cash flow numbers on them are unbelievable. I, was, I literally like hit the floor. So just putting like what you want out there and, and holding yourself accountable and with integrity can bring opportunities to you. And that's what we've done for since 2012. And that's what's got us here today. Man, I love that tenacity. I love... Uh, what you've been doing lately with that vision board, right? We talked mm -hmm. about vision board. You're like, well, forget about, I'm just going to do it right here on Facebook and I'm just going to put it out there in the world, right. right? And you were talking about, I mean, you've done some stuff on travel, really just a, actually a smorgasbord of everything. Mm -hmm. But it's been actually really fun to to watch that, to see how your brain works. Because I'm a believer of this too. When you start speaking it and you see it and you meditate on it, and you put a vision and a goal in front of it, and then you start thinking about it on a daily or a weekly, those kind of things tend to show up in your life. Absolutely, man. And I have to give you a lot of credit for that. We were recently at the Investor Fuel Mastermind. Both Corey and I are in that mastermind. And, you know, we have a hot seat presentation and, and we're supposed to ask and or give have an ask or need. And when I sat down that to figure it out, I didn't want to talk about marketing or strategies because the information's already out there. And I already know there's 60 people in the group. We're going to get a ton of that. I wanted to kind of change it up and ask for something that really get the responses that I got. And so my, my ask was, what, what advice would you give yourself today, five years ago? And uh, Corey stood up. Uh, I felt honored that I didn't put him to sleep with my first 15 minutes. And uh, he stood up and he said, make sure that you understand your core vision and live your life according to that core vision, what you want out of your business, out of your personal life and what you're going for. And uh, that accompanied with Mike Cambright gave us his wife's bucket list book. And uh, I, I just, I was so inspired. It was like, it, and, and now I'm kind of, understanding how many days are actually in a year but i came up with a great idea i was like every day for the next year i'm going to come up with a bucket list idea and uh man that's 365 bucket list items i mean some days it's like 11 p.m i'm like i got one hour to come up with something that i want <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like, i don't need that many things i just need about half of that <laughs> exactly exactly but you know what i i set the goal so i'm gonna hit it but i i have to thank you for doing that man uh, it really meant a lot to me um and i know it was coming from your heart and from a place that you're you you were actually in at some point in time because yeah, you talked a little I, bit i've about experienced it. it yeah you know you know it's and really so and and i that's not even my advice <laughs> that's <laughs> 
which is awesome, right? right? Because I got it from another person, and it hit me the same way that it hit you. Is mm-hmm. you know, as entrepreneurs, this is one thing I find as entrepreneurs, man. Ideas and the things that when you get around other entrepreneurs, it is a, a very exciting environment where everything honestly is possible. Right. It doesn't mean that everything should be possible. Like uh, the example I use is, you know, I almost got talked into creating a mastermind, right? <laughs> and uh, and and honestly, it would be wildly successful. I mean, I, I can I can make a crap ton of money by creating this uh, multifamily mastermind. But when I put it up to my goals and says, does it serve me? You right. know, and, and the answer was no, because what was more important than making money was my kids. My kids are in high school and they need their dad. And, you know, this is a volatile time in young kids' lives and I got to make sure that they stay on the right track. Right. And so it didn't serve me. And but right. it was easy to say yes because I could have killed that that idea. Yeah, and, I'm I'm right there with you, man. And actually it's funny you bring that up because under the pressure of some other influences in my life, I had created this event that I was gonna hold. And and like you said, I know it could be successful. I know I could make a crap ton of money, and I know it would impact people's lives, but it, it didn't feel right. It wasn't the right time. And uh and honestly, it was just something I needed to be told. And, and sometimes that happens. And that's why it's so important to always be networking with other people and, and don't try to be the smartest person in the room. You know, I mean, surround yourselves with other people. And, and I was so honored because when I asked that question at Investor Fuel, the two people that, well, there's three people that responded. And all three of you, I respect Corey, Gary Harper, and uh, Nick. And, and all three of y'all, I can't, I can't pronounce Nick's last name. So he's just going to be Nick, (laughs) but, uh, all three of y'all said that similar answers to me. And it just meant so much to me that, you know, but that's why it's important to be a part of masterminds and and get around like-minded individuals and make sure you're around people more successful than you, because sometimes, you know, you might know the answer. You just need someone to slap you upside the head and tell it to you. So yeah, and, and, and a lot of times the good ones, I mean, and I've learned this too, is a lot of times you don't even have to provide the answers. You just ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is doing that going to, how is that going to help you, RJ? Or, or, you know, what is, by doing this, what are you getting out of it? What are you truly right. getting out of it, right? And what do you want out of it? You know, because those are lots of, you know, it's, I feel like it's like Japanese mm-hmm. because when you talk with people, uh, you know, in the Japanese culture, they have like, you know, three different hearts and five different faces, you know, <laughs> and say, so you got to figure out which one you're talking to, you know, and where's the right. true, when do you reveal your inner, 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 inner core of right. what you really want? <laughs> right. And when you can get to that, then that's the place of, of, of mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and, and just by you being on the, I mean, if you, people that are listening to you, this audience right now, I mean, RJ's is as authentic as they get. And and I feel like I'm the same way. You, me and right. you, we have the same kind of mannerisms. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, it's funny you say that because there are times where it, I'm almost too authentic with certain people. Like it, it's off-putting to them. And, and, and I, I, 
when you were on my podcast and I interviewed you, I'm telling you, dude, I, I know I told you this in person. I came busting out of my studio so fired up. I went running in the office with Cassie and I was like, I'm so pumped up. That was such a good interview. I was like, Corey is such a cool dude, man. I'm like, he's like me. <laughs> but got a different story, but it's kind of the same. And I was like, man, it was awesome. And I was like, at the end of my interview, I told him I'm going to buy an apartment complex with him in Hawaii. And she was like, on the on the podcast or after? And I was like, on the recording. That shit's going on iTunes. It's going to be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right, so, man. <laughs> so, but it, it's important to be that way. It, that, that's how I want to run my business. That's how I want to be known in business is by being authentic, not not being anybody else. And I think you see that more now in business than, or at least for me, I see it more now often where you're not having to put on this fake facade. Nowadays, it's like, it's completely commonplace to show up to a business meeting in t-shirts and shorts and flip-flops. And I wear a hat every day and I got this big old beard. That's completely okay because that's who, you, who I am. You show up as an, a true investor. Right, right exactly. You know, I always say there's the there's the, what they want you to be when you're on TV, and then there's like the real way it works, and which is, I every day I already got a usually a Kahuna shirt on, right, <laughs> and I've got four different colors, and I have shorts, mm -hmm. and so um, usually it's just a, what color I got four different colors of shorts, right, mm -hmm. and four Kahuna shirts, and sometimes I wear my rents due. Right, <laughs> and that's ninety percent of what I wear any given day. That's all I'm wearing, right? Like I don't have a lot of now. I've got a whole closet full of crap, and I just never, you know, unless my wife says I'm supposed to. <laughs> I'm usually just wearing my, you know, four shirts. I pick a color, right? Which one's yeah. clean? <laughs> yeah, the only thing I've changed is now I just wear the titanium hat. That that's like my my business uniform. That's your go to. Okay. Yeah, and then it's like a blank black T-shirt. Like that's who I am. That's that's what everybody sees now. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I, I wouldn't change anything about it. So, hey, anyway, so I, how did you get to work titanium? So okay, at the time when we started real estate investing, we used the Fairway Solutions name. So we we reverted back to the original LLC, and we're like, we'll just call ourselves Fairway Solutions. Well, I got tired of people asking me if we were in golf courses or something like that, and so I was like, okay, I want to come up with something. So when we were thinking about it, the first name that we came up with was Integrity Investments, but it was already taken in the state of Texas, so we had right. to come up with something different. And uh, you know, we were kind of talking about it and titanium was thrown out there and my favorite number is 22, Cassie's favorite number is 22 and titanium is the 22nd element on the periodic table of elements. So we figured out, okay, we're going to do titanium investments. That's how we came up with it. We thought it was, I, I didn't want to do RJ buys houses because right. I'm, a, I'm a brand guy. I'm not a, I, I'm, I'm a team guy. I, I yeah. don't want I don't want to be the guy. I want to have a, a brand. And now that I look back at it, you know, we've been able to, to brand ourselves and all the different markets that we're in. I, I love it. And, uh, and now at this point in time, I'm kind of just known as titanium. And, and so it's, it's just kind of stuck with us. And I, I love it, man. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've even kind of used the titanium in my podcast. We're going to use it in other businesses that we get into. And so it's going to be something that sticks with us forever.
Man, I think that's a great idea. So I'm, I'm now I follow Mr. Sir Richard Branson mm-hmm. with Virgin. That's kind of where I stuck when I come up with Kahuna Investments, and then everything I've done after that has always been a Kahuna something, right? right? Kahuna Wholesale, Kahuna Wealth Builders. Um, you know, it's always uh, the you know, Kahuna Cash Flow Calculator, <laughs> right? In the boardroom, Kahuna Boardroom. Yeah. And all, all those things, because like there is a brandability, titanium this, titanium that. Mm-hmm. Um, people will understand that that's the bigger. And when you make it a brand, mm-hmm. dude, uh, it does. It's sticky. It does have power. Absolutely. I, I, I mean that that's got to be good for. So let's talk about how many, like how many cities or uh, states are you in with titanium right now? So originally it was going to be virtual wholesaling in the different markets. Yep. So we originally just kind of blasted out to all kinds of different markets. We went to Seattle, Portland, Phoenix, Baltimore. I mean, we, we went to a ton. I think we've done like 15 different states at this point in time. Um, now we've kind of scaled back and started over again in the different markets with strategic partners. So yeah. we have titanium investments of Hawaii, Alaska, Arizona, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. Yep. Those are our main ones right now. Because that's where you have strategic partners in, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, for example, I, I talked about Elijah, my childhood best friend. He's in Hawaii. Another childhood friend's in Alaska. Um, we had a, a realtor that we have a great relationship in Arizona. So, that's what's enabled us to go to these different markets, rebrand, start a new entity there, and kind of let that entity own itself. I never actually thought about this, but I was recently on Tucker Mary Hughes uh, podcast and he asked me, he said, are you trying to be the new home investors? Are you franchising all these out? And I was like, no, that's not what I was doing, but it is kind of what I'm doing. But that's kind of a good idea. Yeah, I was like, that's a damn good idea. So maybe here in about three months, you might see that rolled out, Tucker. <laughs> so it's funny. You and I are so similar in that regard. You talk about how you kind of copycatted your way to success. And absolutely. If, if someone gives me a good idea. I'm like, thank you. I'm going to go do it now. And it's all about taking action, right? I mean, you, you can have the answers, but you still have to take the action. And that's one of the things that we've prided ourselves on is always taking that massive action to get to the success. That's why I'm not scared to open up a branch in Alaska or Hawaii, you know, because I know I, I trust our processes and our systems and the relationships that we have with those peoples in those markets. You know, let's talk about failure for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's like depressing, but <laughs> say it that way. But I believe failure is a way to success, right? I mean, you've got to be, and it's not that you always have to fail because, I mean, we, we want to win way more often than we fail. Right. But sometimes when you do fail, you learn a lot. Like you learn more through failing sometimes than winning. Right. right. And those are hard lessons to learn sometimes, but I would love to share, you share a story where you didn't do so well. Yeah. So actually it's funny you bring that up because on July 13th, I'm getting rid of my biggest and first failure in real estate investing, which was a property that we attempted to wholesale in San Antonio, Texas. And it was one of those things where I thought I was invincible. We were wholesaling properties across the country. We had a nationwide buyers list. And I was like, we can wholesale anything. Well, we didn't have anybody that wanted to buy properties in San Antonio. And we were kind of lack of, lack of days ago about it. We didn't 
do what we need to do to find a buyer. And you should have called, called Uncle Corey. I know. Now that I know that, I know what I should have done. But instead, I got this great idea of let's just take it down ourselves. And we we brought on a partner and we didn't know a contractor. We didn't have any boots on the ground down there. That's like a four and a half hour drive from where I live. Yep. And uh, we we got a contractor bid, came on right on budget. And I was like, you're hired. We bought the property. He started doing work. After about a month, I went down there to check on the project. And it was literally one of the worst houses I've ever seen. It was built in 1902. It looked like it was falling down. And the contractor was basically $20,000 already into the project. And he had made the house worse. And over the course of time, I learned that hiring contractors in San Antonio, Texas, without being there can be very difficult. And we got screwed over about 500 times. I think we did everything on the house at least four or five times. I'm not joking. <laughs> like we rewired it, all new piers, all new beams on the foundation. We replumbed the house. Flooring had to be done multiple times. I mean, we just lost our rear on this house. Then when we went to sell it, it wouldn't sell. Right. And so then we fired that agent. We hired another agent. It wouldn't sell. So eventually out of necessity, we turned it into an Airbnb. And, and this is where Cassie and I, we don't accept failure. Like it sucked and, and we couldn't sell the property. Like we, we couldn't give it away. I mean, we right. literally we just could not get rid of it. So we turned it into an Airbnb. We got enough short-term cash flow on it to sustain the loans that we had on the property. Yep. And and now we're we are selling it. We're we're gonna sell we're still gonna lose money in the long haul, but we softened that blow over the course of several years of having it as an Airbnb. But what I learned from that project was going to a new market, what systems and processes we needed in place to go to a new market and how to have how important it is to have a strategic partner and boots on the ground in those markets. And so that's why we haven't had those same mistakes in Hawaii and Alaska and Arizona because of that experience in San Antonio. Isn't so that instead, crazy? Yeah. One, one of that experience. Us, we yeah. failed forward. Yeah. That's, and man, for, for people listening to this podcast right now, I mean, one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned, I say copy your way to success, you know, and learning how to fail. But dude, when you take those lessons and see so you, you took the lesson and then you fixed the broken part of that, because you still want to go in other markets. Well, that's not going to stop you. Sometimes being, you know, I know there's other investors that will say, oh, God, why are you going to just, uh, well, just concentrate on one market, right? And sometimes the answer is, well, why not? Like, if you've got strategic partners, you can um, diversify instead of being in just one market. Right. Right? And sometimes that's better. You don't have to uh, concentrate and be the biggest fish. Right. You know, well, I've actually said this before as well. You know, I've talked to people that lost everything in 07 and 08. And I've asked them, what did you do or what are you doing different today than what you were doing back in 05 and 06 before you lost it all? And everybody tells me it's passive income. You have to create passive income. That's what you, RJ, you need to be focused on that. Man, you, so just seg- could- you just segue into exactly what I want to talk about. Right. And so <laughs> Amen, it's brother. almost like we know each other, man. So <laughs> passive income is a huge part of our, our business plan now. 
but also diversifying that passive income in different markets because the crash impacted different markets differently. So yes. here in DFW, it didn't hit us as hard as it hit people in California. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, look, if I have a, a rental portfolio in St. Louis, Tulsa, DFW, Hawaii, Alaska, when the market downturns, we're going to be protected because we're in different markets. And so each one of those entities can perform differently and react differently to the downturn. So that's what we're doing. Also, that's another reason why we've expanded to all the different markets as well. Now, I think that's genius. Uh, you know, I think I love that there's a methodology behind it, that is strategy. And of course, my favorite thing we just talked about was cash flow. Mm -hmm. And this is where a lot of new uh, or wholesalers, even seasoned wholesalers and fix and flippers, um, sometimes they don't get this part is that you've really started turning a lot of your stuff into cash flow. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're still flipping, I'm sure you still, you know, but there's, you're always got a foot in the door for that long-term play, right. which in, in my opinion is the best play. Right. Right now we wholesale and we rehab to make funds, to keep the engine going, to buy rentals. Like yes. that is, that is what we do. That's the machine. Yeah. And, and right now there are times where it, it does, it stings a little because it's like, we'll get a property under contract and I'm like, I could wholesale that make 25,000, but yep. instead I'm going to buy it and I'm going to keep it as a rental. And so revenue wise, that hurts because that's twenty five thousand dollars missed, right? Right, and and so in the long term, you you look at it and you're like, we we it looks like we're kind of struggling a little bit just because, but in the end, I know this is the play that we have to make, and it's going to be a lot better. So we have a massive goal of a hundred thousand dollars net passive income a month, and and I'm not going to stop till I get there. And when I get there, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do one of those Corey Peterson videos where like I'm on top of a mountain and there with my arms out like yes and you I got the drone going 360 and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. and the, the sun sets there and it's an epic spot <laughs> yeah get, man I, I, i'm actually going to get your videographer to do it because he does some badass stuff so that's what I'm yeah, gonna he do does that. man daniel woods uh man i did a i just had a podcast with him about yeah uh, i can't remember which one it was maybe three or four episodes ago but that guy's amazing. I've never yeah. seen anybody that does it better. So, and that goes back to the brand building stuff. Like, that's what's helped you build that brand is by having good videography and the pictures and the the funnels that you have. I mean, I, I've seen it over the past year or so, man. I mean, your stuff is it keeps getting cooler and cooler. I'm like, man, he keeps coming up with some cool ideas. Like that one where where you're running and jumping into the ocean. Yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, that's cool. I want to go do that. <laughs> you know, you know how that came about. So not a lot of people know that story, but because I don't think I've ever told it. But uh, we were we were going on this called Internet Marketing Cruise, right? So you're gonna go take a cruise, and you're uh, with a bunch of. It's kind of like a mastermind right. for internet marketers, but it's on a cruise. We're like, oh, let's do that. That's fun. And then I was like, man. Let's bring Daniel because, like, we are going to stop at, like, four different ports. So we're not telling anybody that we're on a cruise. Let's just go and, and make four different video movies like we're on all these different islands. Right. <laughs> right? So it looks like we're just traveling all the damn time. But we're really just on a cruise. <laughs> That's and funny. so 
uh, but but actually Daniel is the one that came up with that shot. He goes, man, and this is what you know. Listen, people are genius at different things, right? I I just like real estate. I I understand that. I know how to raise private money. That's about my only thing I'm good at is I know how to talk with people and raise some money. Um, everything else I really suck at. And um, so like Daniel's look, looking at this period, he's like, oh, dude, here's what we're going to do. And he's setting up the whole shot and like, here's what I'm going to do. I brought my underwater camera. And so it's funny because there's like three or four things happening. We jumped off of that thing seven times, by the <laughs> way. Right? <laughs> so you got a camera behind us, right, as we're, you know, doing our little deal. Then we And then we do our jump. And then Daniel's in the water with another camera, right? Getting us as we enter the water, right? right. And then uh, finally at the end, we have another shot where I'm holding, a, I think, a handheld uh, GoPro just to, you know, and then he, he synced it all together to make it look like a seamless right. cool take where it's like, that's awesome, right? It was just I'm a fun, it's a fun opening. Yeah, dude. When I saw it, I was like, Oh my God. I don't even know what Corey's selling me right now, but just let me buy it. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to live that life. Like, yeah. I want to be, be Corey Peterson where I jump off piers for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, we just came back from my hometown and um, uh, I've got some word. Uh, we took some cool videos. I took uh, some videos of my home, like the house that I grew up in and um, just some good country stuff, brother. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be yeah, awesome. Man. We're going to go back. We're going to go back for homecoming. That's and, cool. Uh, and I just found out that they're uh, selling for a, a booster uh, the rights to go and give the opening speech before they hit the field. Oh, dude. So you know who's going to pay the money for that. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I won't get outbid, I promise. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm going to try to up the ante a little bit and say, but can I bring my camera crew? Oh yeah, dude, I, you, you're, you're, you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna get mic'd up and have my camera crew up in that. It's yeah. gonna be you know like uh, the Al Pacino one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's a matter of inches, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool stuff, man. You, yeah, you definitely need to do that. That like oh. that changes it from like the whole island feel and everything, and then you kind of go into a whole different level of motivation. I like that. Yeah, you know, because, man, you know, I always feel like you can't ever forget where you come from, mm -hmm. you know, and and whether you come from a lot or a little, it honestly doesn't matter, but it's the journey that you took to get there. Just You described your opening monologue was your journey, mm -hmm. and that's important to you. You hold it tight because you never want to forget and remember those, because honestly, when you look back, it's the tough times that were the hardest that are the most iconic in your mind, that vision of those, of what you had to go through to get to the other side. That's what makes it valuable. I remember there was a point in time where I had car problems and I was at pizza hut and because I was working a job and I was on a salary, when something happened to my life, I had to go to my dad and ask him for $700 for rent. And it is literally like one of the very few times I've ever had to ask anybody for money. Well, now I ask for people for money all the time, but <laughs> because I had to. Yeah, uh, but that's different. <laughs> yeah, now it's different. But uh, I, I'll never forget that moment and, and how just devastating it was for me to walk out of my dad's office when he gave me the check and just knowing like as a grown man, I felt like I couldn't even pay my own rent.
And I just, at the time I was so frustrated because I was like, I didn't feel like there was anything I could do to avoid that. And now I'm so thankful that I have found a way to avoid that. And and that's why I have my podcast. That's why I do everybody's podcast because I hope somehow it, it makes it to somebody else out there that feels that way and let them know like, dude, this real estate investing is a way that you can do this. And yeah, you truly can do it with no money. I mean, it, not like the gurus talk about it. I mean, it costs money. You have to find it. And you have to earn those relationships. But I mean, I, I buy houses all the time without any of my own money. Actually, almost all the time without my own money. All the damn time, right? Right. So, <laughs> so that's why I do this because I want somebody else out there that feels hopeless and, and is struggling. There's, you can make a change for your life, but it takes a lot of action. It takes extreme dedication and, like you said, tenacity. I mean, yeah. if you don't have those things, well, then maybe you should stick with your job and just go ahead and live that life. But otherwise, go out and make a change for your life. Amen to that. And it's all it's really just a simple matter of telling yourself that you can. Hey, right. brother, man, uh, we're coming up. We've been doing this for 50 minutes, and it don't feel like it's been five. Man, did, did we even talk about real estate investing? And we talked about enough about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you said You said private money. <laughs> I said cash flow a couple of times and you know yeah. so because man I, my last three or four episodes have been more on this uh type of discussion where listen the how and the why just like you said is out there you can google or the how right the why is what we're talking about right, right. why did you get into real why did you and and what has it done for you i think well, people got to see that sometimes they they think that it's like, um, oh, well, that guy had super talents, right? Or that guy was just, you know, that that guy's special. Brother. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm looking at your big board. I'm looking at you. You don't right. look anything special. I right. know I'm not, right? Because, I mean, I got bald <laughs> hair coming out of here. Hey, right? that's why I wear the hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know I'm nothing special. But, and, but if there was one special trait, and I think I see the same trait in you, is that, Failure is not an option. Mm -hmm. So you never quit. Most people, when they have some struggle or hard times come in, they just they throw in the towel too easy. Yeah. And successful entrepreneurs, they do they don't ever do that. That you would have to kill me to do that, right? I mean, I just I don't quit. It, it's everything that I've ever done in my entire life. I mean, from I love football. Amen, I wasn't brother. fast. I mean, but I was mean as hell and, and I cared more than anybody. And uh, I play flag football now. I'm by far the oldest guy out there and I'm the slowest. But the past two seasons, I made the Pro Bowl and the guy has told me the reason why you made the Pro Bowl, RJ, is because you try so damn hard. You're always out there. You're outsmarting the other team and you just try so hard. And for me, it was about leaving a legacy. That, that's why I do everything that I do. My why is leaving a legacy. I, I mean, I, I just imagine that moment right before you die, and I want to make sure I look back and say, I did everything I ever could possibly do and everything I wanted to do. And I left. I changed the history, the future of my family because of what I went out and did. That's what I want. That moment, I don't know if it actually will happen or not, but if there is that moment before you go, that's the, what I, the feeling that I want to have. So that's my why. I mean, I hear it all the time. I, I always ask, you know, what's your why on my podcast? 
And over the time, I've thought about it. And then the reason why I ask that is, is because I know that there's just an undying desire in my gut that that's what I want to do for my life and for my family. Gosh, dang, we're so much alike, brother. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm like, that's, I, you're, you're speaking my, my, my song, bro. Yeah. I mean, I, it I is legacy. Like, I mean, that, you know, nothing else matters. Time, it, it was hard for us to get our start, right? Yeah. I don't want it to be hard for my kids. That doesn't mean I want to make it easy for them. I want them to elevate from where we are. Hey, this yeah. is your hard start. Okay. Yeah. You already built something. I laid a foundation for you. Now go frame that shit up and finish it off. <laughs> that's what I'm going to tell them. Yeah. That's what it, that's where it's at. I mean, I, I want to lay the foundation for my, for my kids. And, uh, I want to leave them something where they look back and they say, Hey, the Bates name changed when, when RJ started this, the, the family dynamic changed for everybody. Yeah. Dude. Amen. Listen, how, uh, man, I know people are going to want to know, want to reach out to you and get a hold of you and figure out where you're at. Uh, how do they get a hold of you and what's your podcast? I mean, give me the information. Yeah. So the podcast is the titanium vault. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. Um, reach out to me on Facebook, uh, just RJ Bates the third, or you can find me on the titanium vault on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Facebook all the time. Uh, send me a private message. If you have any questions, I love, I love, uh, networking with people and seeing if I can help everybody out. Yeah, brother. Listen, man. Uh, I want to tell you, it's been a awesome experience to have you on, uh, on, uh, my podcast. And I was so honored to be on yours and, uh, and really we've just, we've had, this is fun, right? I mean, investing, yeah. you know, there's a point in time where investing is a lot of work and you really stress because you're trying to make it. And then you get to a level where it's not so much stressful anymore. It becomes a, a sport. And right mm -hmm. now that's where investing is for me is it's a sport. It, I, my dailies are taken care of, but, yep. but the drive is still there. And so for anybody listening to this podcast right now, if you have a desire, you know, you heard RJ talk about how he started, how he cultivated, he got in his mind. He said, today's the day I'm going to do this. I'm not going to quit. He committed to it you've got to have that type of personality you got to have that type of focus because on this podcast especially we talk about mindset all the time if you think it you can do it you can achieve it and you can make your paradise possible absolutely <laughs>